It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to Trot's Life in a very special Taz Racing segment. We are joined by a legend and icon of Tasmanian racing, and that's not Jamie Cockshut before he gets ahead of himself. It's Barry Ratray. Barry, firstly, mate, uh, how are you and whereabouts are you today? Uh, <laughs> heading off to the doctor. Heading off to the doctor. Hey, hope you've got a bit of time because Jamie's got about a million questions he wants to discuss with you. Yeah, he usually does. Very good, Jamie. <laughs> How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, Toby. Barry, tell us in a little bit of a summary about Barry, Jamie, and then I'll hand it over to you and and you're just going to have a bit of a long chat about uh, the life he has had in harness racing and the name, the Rat Ray name, so synonymous as well. Yeah, that's for sure, mate. You know, like um, I've only been in the industry what for probably about twenty five years, and when I first got into it, I I just seen Barry Rattray and Neville Wibbly having great battles at the showgrounds, and um, and that's what the Australian, the Tasmanian, you know, public just loved. They loved the battles they had. You know, just not them two, but back in the late eighties, early nineties, and I'm sure Barry would adhere to this. That they were the glory days, you know, at the old showgrounds and and all that, and. I never fought me wildest dreams that one day, you know, probably 15 years down the track that, you know, I'd become friends with Barry and, um, and all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, it's a pleasure to get him on, mate, and um, we'll have a bit of a chat and, and talk about his career, which is just glittered with success. So, Barry, tell us a little bit about the family involvement and what it all means to you. Uh, um, the family's everything as far as racing goes, you know, and, and, and that's sort of we devoted our life to it in the, in the, uh, the I suppose short term um, and uh, become a way of life um, most most mornings I still get up and look forward to doing what I do um, I was fortunate fortunate to Marry someone that enjoys it as much as as I do most of the time. Um, our boys come along and they enjoy it also. Um, and my mother and father before me, and my grandmother and grandfather, and um, it's a good way of life. Good clean living and all the rest of that. Plenty of pressure and plenty of work. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on the early early days, Barry. Um, yeah, as you know, you know Wayne and Gay's mum and dad, and you know you got you got I think you got you got three brothers, Kent, Neville, and Robert. Um, and it's just good to see Neville, you know, getting back in the industry in the last twelve months. But um, you know, Dad got into the industry going way back through his wife's parents. Um, I think it was the McCarrow family, Pat McCarrow, and and all that um, going Bill. way back. Bill and Connie McCarra, yeah, that's that's how we started. Um, in actual fact, that um, Nan's, Nan's brother trained the original horse that we first got. Um, Dad, Dad originally wasn't much, wasn't um, 
really a horse person. He, uh, he enjoyed it, but um, hadn't had the involvement that we had growing up. Um, but he, uh, like most things he did, um, grabbed it with both hands and run and did a good job uh, training himself. Yeah, I know. He definitely did, mate. You know, we'll go back to uh, to the early years when you first got into the game. You know, you was a pretty accomplished footballer in your life and, you know, football was your passion. And and then, like you mentioned, Dad, you know, he loved his football as well and his wood chopping and he got into the horse racing more or less because he was bored after his football career. Is that correct? Yeah, I, you know, um, age, age got older, father, um, and uh, he just... Neville and I, probably more than anybody else, were working horses and, well, not working horses, but ponies and all that sort of thing. And uh, he had this horse that he, uncle, our uncle used to work, and so he decided that we could we could ride it and he'd race it and we'd go from there. Um, so from very small beginnings, Dad, Dad eventually give the dairy cows away and... Um, had a few beef cattle and, and we worked racehorses, you know. Um, before I left school, I used to be quite often late to school, work a horse before I went to school, and the old class teacher, she, uh, she'd always see, see me sneak into the back of the classroom and and uh, keep me back after everybody else would leave because her husband used to have a paint punt and she wanted to know how they worked. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on, mate, your first winner. Um, there's a little horse called Talon Boy and, and by remember, you play football in the morning and um, you actually drove to the to the races to drive him and um, he got the job done, but it wasn't a, it wasn't... All, all roses on the day because after the, the race um, you sustained an injury during football until you've known how serious it was and um, yeah so it was a pretty big effort to get tailed by the line but I'll let you tell the listeners out there what actually happened uh, that was actually not my first win, the first win was tailing boy at Halverston um, but I kept driving tailing boy and he was I think that was his, his second win um I, I didn't know, but I'd broken my kneecap at playing football in the morning at Scottsdale and drove to Launceston. By the time four o'clock came around, I wasn't really feeling that good. Um, I was helped into the cart, um, but once in the cart, I was I felt all right, and uh, uh, with a bit of luck and everything go your way, he, he won but um, they took me out of the cart I couldn't get out myself and put me in the ambulance, I had a broken leg or broken kneecap but to be more specific Yeah, so yeah, no, that just, just, just goes to prove just how tough you are old mate, and um, we'll keep moving along, you know, you, you went over to to the States in the you know, um, you know, in the 80s to, to get a bit of experience over there? Yeah, that, that, um, my my boys went over later, particularly James. Um, it, it wasn't the same railway to get over there and get established or get in anywhere. And I found it quite difficult to get a start up anywhere and went working on a stud. 
Um, in actual fact, I found it quite hard in Australia to get a job in a stable. I, I rang... Um, I didn't ring. I wrote letters to both um, uh, Vic Frost and um, George Taff. Uh, George, George told me to go and get a job, um, and Vic Frost had a number of boys ready to do the same sort of thing, so um, there was no, no go there, and I finished up working with Johnny Glyde, um, which ultimately took me to the States with a with some racehorses going over, um, but once again, no, couldn't couldn't find your way into a stable at that point in time. The connections weren't that good, um, and uh, not like they are today. Um, and worked on a stud, spent some time around the stables, uh, but not the time I would have liked. Um, but the stud was was a, it was a great experience. Yeah, no, I'm sure it would have been. And that led to a phone call from um, the the local vet in Tasmania, Art Mika, who actually was a, the owner of Neptune Startup at Colebrook there, and um, he rang you up to try and um, curse you into coming and being the head trainer of Neptune Stud? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Art rang me when I was in America. Um, I'd been there about four or five months then, and... Um, uh, to be honest, probably feeling a bit homesick. <laughs> um, we used to we'd ring home once every three or four weeks in America. You'd ring home, and um, not like today where you can ring every day. And um, but yeah, probably feeling a bit homesick. Was glad of the opportunity to to uh, get a chance to train. There wasn't many of them sort of opportunities around, and uh, yeah, I snapped it up and had another month in America and come home as quick as I could, more or less. And and around about that time was that's when you not long after that you met your 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 lovely and beautiful wife Denise. Yeah, I, I've been. You can quote me and quote me as saying it's the best day's work I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> um, She's been an asset. She's uh, supported me in every every at every turn. Um, she's worked with me, um, and I can't and never against me. Um, uh, yeah, so I'll stick with that statement. The best day's work I ever did. And I always remember, always remember you mentioned her, mate. She's also the best broodmare you've ever had as well. <laughs> yes, probably. She hasn't done a bad job there either. I don't think. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll keep moving on, mate. So you've got together, you know, like um, Denise obviously moved down to Colebrook with you, and that's when the family started? Yes. Um, we conceded to have a child. One child became two. One child was actually two. Um, and then we had a couple of others just because um, the twins were first, of course, and I'm alluding to. Um oh. Sorry, Jamie. Go. Yeah, well, that's that's Gareth and James, obviously. Um, you know, they were they the first two born, and um, and then come along. Is 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 it, is it Adam before Todd or Todd before Adam? No, oh, Adam's next. He's um, he's just got his trainer's license and he's had a driver's license. He's won a race and probably uh, probably training might suit him more than driving. Um, he's had a couple of runners so far and hasn't tasted success yet, but. Probably not that far away. 
Uh, he'll get a winner for sure, mate. It's in his blood. But I think the the winner he drove actually was was a horse called Grand Brook. Was it at New Norfolk? Uh, no, just in Launceston, yeah. Uh, that was trained by Andrew Arnott, correct? That, that, that's correct, yep. And by, by a friend, uh, uh, the owner was Alf Brooks, who was a friend of ours. Yeah, well, that would have been a great, great experience. So come, come around, um, you know, like this, back in the early 80s, you're just starting to make your mark and um, you got the opportunity to head to Brisbane to represent Tasmania in the Junior Drivers' Championship where you come up against the likes of Anthony and Davey Butt, David Butcher, you know, Steve McGuire, Mark Ducks and co. from Australia. And you was fortunate enough to take out the title, mate. Yeah, well, that was the weekend I got married. Um we went to, we went to, and done that the next week, and then had a week's honeymoon after that. Um, as as I said earlier, Denise had a bit to put up with, um, but she joined in and come along for the ride. And um, yeah, we we were lucky enough to win it. Those people, some of those people you met, well, all of those people you mentioned, were friends today. Um, um, Missing from that, Stevie McGuire, um, you know, um, yeah, no, it was a was a great time for us. Yeah. And um, I think you had a pretty decent lead going to the last heat. You was you was aboard the hot favourite, and um, I think I remember you mentioned to me when I was talking to you a few years ago. It wasn't one of your best drives. It was a drive you'd rather forget, but you got the job done. Uh, in actual fact, one of the butt boys had. It snuck ahead by a point. I'd led most of the most of the series, and one of the butt boys uh, got ahead. But I drove a man called One Melody Queen, um, and it's probably my second worst drive ever. Um, but she still got up and won and got the job done. Well, now you mentioned that, mate. What's the worst drive ever? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I got beat by Donnie Peck in Hobart with a, um, a on Avon Princess. I made about thirty three runs in the run and, <laughs> and got beat ahead. Should never have got beat to the shock and drive. Jeez, I wish there was some footage of that one out there, old bass. <laughs> I, I, hope I hope nobody ever finds it. I'll tell you. <laughs> Jets, we will take a moment's break here and come back the other side with a lot more of the Barry Ratray story with Jamie Cockshut and Toby McKinnon on Trot's Life. Welcome back to Trot's Life. I'm with Jamie Cockshut and Barry Ratray as we go through Barry's wonderful story. Your young family started and um, as I, as you know, you've... you've... You've, you've mentioned, mate, your family's your life. You, you just love your family and you love your boys and you have to be very proud of what they've all achieved in the industry. Um, you know, Gareth, he just set the world on storm after, uh, you know, like, just broke all the records as a young driver, being inducted into the Hall of Fame, probably the youngest of any sportsman to be inducted into the Hall of Fame in his sport. But, you know, he, he didn't have the easiest of life in his early days, Barry. Uh, he certainly battled early on. Um, probably made him know who he is today, but he was like that. You know, the things he did when he was tiny um, was was who he was and who he eventually grew up to be. Probably without without his desire, uh, he, he would 
he would not have been who he is today. No, he's an absolute superstar young man, mate. And I really remember chatting about you that him and James, back in their, their young days, I'd get the rubber ducky out in the bathtub and I think, was it Gareth that called the race, done the calling, or was it James that done the calling? Oh, they were both at it, but basically Gareth. Um, he, Gareth's knowledge, and I remember making the statement quite often, Gareth was the most experienced driver never to have driven in a race before he started. Uh, he knew everything. He knew, knew the owners, the trainers. Um, I can clearly remember asking him about a horse on the way to the races before he drove. Um, Kevin Denny had it. He hadn't had it for two years, and he could tell me his last four runs. <laughs> Yeah, but that's him, mate. He's lived and breathed it from a young age, and you know, like I've seen some young photos, mate. He just, he just loved it, and you know, he, he's a ornament to the game, and he's he's definitely gonna, you know, reach the heights that you're reaching in coming years and drive as many winners. We'll touch on James. He made the decision early days, you know, when he's early in his career to head over to the states to to learn his craft, and um, he was over there a few years and. He, he won some good races over there when he teamed up with, I think it was Noel Daly, might have been one yeah. of the, his biggest um, supporters as a driver. And, and yeah, so just touch on James. And then when he come back to to Tasmania, I think it was when he, his partner, Fia, Fia Swenson, come back with him. And um, just touch on that for a couple of minutes, mate. It'd be great for the listeners. Well, James took a backwards... Well, didn't really take a backwards step. James was busy, busy playing sport. Uh, he was a bit more athletic than Gareth. He, he uh, was playing a real good game of football. He was running a bit and doing all those things. So Gareth, Gareth took the mantra early. Was we tried had to try and keep them separated a bit um, with getting that stuff done, you know, and getting through their junior driver series and those sort of things. So James took that that route for a while, and when he when he came in and drove, he he drove well and done a good job but uh, he went away and represented Tasmania and um, and won the won the junior driver title uh, in New Zealand but I, he also found himself a, a, a filly over there and we thought he'd go back and stay for a while and um, over the ensuing several years he kept finding a filly somewhere and going somewhere else and staying. He had about seven summers in a row. <laughs> yeah, no, well, um, yeah, I, 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 could just, I could just see that with James, mate. He, he, he loved to travel as well. Like you said, he, he was a bit of a, a ladies' man back in his younger days. He could still be a bit of a ladies' man, Barry. I'm not sure, but um, I wonder where he got that from. Well, I'm, I'm just hoping he's, he's not at all nowadays as he's expecting a a uh, child. Oh, that's bloody brilliant, mate. Yeah, exactly. Those days are behind him, I think. No, that's bloody brilliant, mate. And, you know, as we know. Um, so we'll keep moving on. Then we've we got Toddy. Uh, we'll touch on Adam. We touched on him briefly, but... Um, was there a reason why he never really followed in the footsteps of the other of the other three boys? Uh, Adam's built different from them. He's, um, he's he's bigger than I am, and I think I'm marginally big <laughs> for for a driver. Um, he's a lot bigger than I am. He's heavier, and um, uh, he, he's 
train trainer thought it's a bit funny. He, he drove all right, okay for a while, um, but you know he seems to think that uh, training might be his go going forward. Um, he, he works. He's went and got a job. Um, he worked around home plenty of times. He still does a lot of work around home now, um, and uh, uh, he just he. he He's different from the others, and he, and uh, um, and and we he thinks that training's going to be his road forward. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure, mate. He'll make it because he's got the support, you know, from from yourself and he, and his other brothers. And you know, as long as he's passionate, I remember you talking to me about him that he he's a pretty good horseman in his own right because he just had a knack of catching foals and. And mares and that, where some other, when you know, it was a bit wayward for you to get hold of and all that. Oh, he can do stuff with young horses that 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 the others can't do. You know, he's got a bit more patience and um, and he's got a way with the horses. He's you no, know, he's he's really good with the young horses. Um, and we we use him quite often. We use him quite often. We we quite he quite often does those sort of jobs when when uh, when they're big and rough and. He's, uh, he handles them quite well. And yeah, we'll, we'll quickly move on to Todd, mate. Um, Todd take, took over the reins of Corrales Stables, what, probably four or five years ago now, Barry? Or it could be longer? Yeah, yeah, probably five years ago now. Um, they come and go, the, the older ones. James took over from Gareth. And, um, and James was James was here originally before when Gareth went to Melbourne. Gareth back and James went away and um, they Shuffled the deck a few times. Um, Todd, Todd came home when Gareth decided he'd go down the coast um, with his with his family, um, and uh, uh, I think well, he's won a train drivers premiership. I don't know whether he's won a trainers premiership as well or, since he came in. Yeah. I, he's won a drivers oh. premiership, maybe not a trainers one. Yeah, no, well, he's, he's, he's had a great, you know, start to his training career, but he's always been a great driver, and he's, you know, I think he, he won a couple of Howe's medals too going back in probably three and four years ago, like, and that was, you know, for the most dominant harness racing figure in Tasmania, and, um, yeah, he's definitely come a long way, you know, he's, um, does, and he's had some pretty good horses come through his hands, and obviously Ignatius, um, he actually was the owner of Ignatius, him and his wife Laray and, and all that sort of stuff. And you know, we had Patcha Cootie, uh, Devendra. I, I think Devendra was under Todd as well, was it, Barry? Yep, yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. couple of nice horses, Devendra and Patcha Cootie. Yeah. Oh, they were, they were great horses, mate. They done well up at Menangle. They done well everywhere they went. And yeah. so we'll keep moving on, mate. Um, in 1993, you was given the opportunity to represent Australia in the World Driving Championships in Europe. Um, just tell us a, a bit about that experience. Well, it was a great experience. Um, we enjoyed it very much. Um, uh, driving trotters, probably, well, really for the first time. Um, don't think that had any bearing on what went on. It's just the luck of the draw. And, uh, those series uh, are quite a bit. And, um, I think on the first day... Um, but on the first day I was on the podium um, but uh, after that <laughs> backwards backwards um, after that 
but it was a great trip, good experience, good people once again, people that we stayed friends with over the years, Morris McKendry and, um, yeah. Yeah, and, and so, you know, then you obviously come back, mate, you, you started hitting your straps as a trainer, becoming, you know, a dominant trainer, having some great battles with Neverly and... I think in the early 2000s, you decided to start venturing up to Harold Park and taking a, a few horses up there, and you had a lot of success, you know, in a short time up there. We we, we had, there was a couple of horses here, uh, Mark Stanley's horse in particular, um, that um, we didn't think we'd be able to, to beat in our better races here, and, and we had three or four that weren't quite up to him. Um, so we Said, said we'd go to, and, and they were good gate speed horses, you know, you know, showgrounds horses. So we yep. bypassed Victoria and went to New South Wales, um, and we, well, the first night out we took four and won three, and the second second week uh, we did the same thing. Uh, there's a story about uh, Gareth and Dennis Wilson. We'd actually took them. Some of Dennis Wilson's on the truck with us. We had, I think, we had six winners on the truck, um, or five out of six, something like that. And coming home, and Gareth go and cook about the one that got beat. Um, <laughs> and Dennis Wilson and I both said to him, "Oh, Jesus, you know, you can't go cook about that. This will never happen again." Um, and the next week coming home, he leaned across the back seat. He said, I thought you two blokes said this would never happen again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, he was a young fellow back then, Gareth. But, you know, it was a, as, as you said, he's, there's not many people at his young age back then that had as much knowledge as what he has of the industry. And um, obviously it's a pretty hard task, Master, mate. Who's he got that from, yourself or, or his mum? Uh, he liked to win. He he liked to win, and um, and just there's a bit of an insight into his character that you know, if you got three and he had four, you should have got four. <laughs> yeah, no. no, that's it all over, mate. That's it all over. But yeah, he had a great success up there. Then you come back, and you know, then um, you know, we'll you know, we'll touch on the horses shortly with Toby. And- Certainly we'll touch on the horses as I'll jump in there, Jamie, and say we're going to get to the the 12.30 news. God, time has gone quickly. And we'll get a little break away. We'll have this news. We'll come back the other side with more of the Barry Rat Race story. Welcome back to Trot's Life again. Jamie Cockshut and Toby McKinnon with you with Barry Ratray, a legend of Tasmanian harness racing. And Jamie Let's find out a bit more about those horses and those people that uh, Barry has been associated with. But we'll just have, we'll just touch on Graham Lang and what he meant to you, you know, as um, when you first started getting into the game. Um, Graham was, of course, a, a, a great character amongst the, around the industry, and I uh, we went to Melbourne and had a go in Melbourne after we left Neptune Studs. And if anything could go wrong, it did. Um, probably the worst one was interest rates um, from about 8% to 17 or 21 um, was probably the next worst thing. Um, Graham was just down the road. You could go there and work any time. You could you'd help out at any time. Um, 
and uh, encouragement, help if you needed it. You know, uh, he was just a, and, a, and I don't know anybody that goes to the races that's as even as Graham was, you know, and line up the next day and uh, even tempered, I'm trying to say, I think. Yeah, no, he's definitely a, 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 a great horseman. And, you know, as you know, he passed Ray recently with his son Gavin, but the accolades he, he got when he passed was, was thoroughly well-earned and deserved because he's one of the all-time greats of the harness racing industry. And, yeah, so um, just touching on that, we'll just touch really, quickly touch on the grandkids. You know, you, you love your grandkids, you adore them. They keep you feeling young, mate. We'll touch on Gareth's couple first. Well, he's got three now, and... And a step and a stepson with Melissa Main, who um, they both run faithful start and you know one of the biggest adjustment and um, folding places in Tasmania, if not the biggest. And you will just touch on the, the grandkids and what they mean to you and Denise at this stage of their life, just keeping you up and about. Uh, beautiful kids, all of them. And, um, Jackson Jackson's just found a job at um, found a job at McDonald's. He's working working. 40 hours and you're doing school as well, doing a good job. Um, Lauren is a bit of an athlete, but just loves the horses. She, she's uh, of late been up staying with us, um, and that's really enjoyable. She's wanting to go all the time up early in the morning and loves the horses. Kenji's a bit of a different character. Um, she's... Um, She's pretty lively, got a mind of her own, and if uh, if she makes up her mind, that's what she's going to do. But the, the, both the girls go really good with the ponies. Um, Kenji will tell her that she runs second in the Dominion with the ponies. <laughs> Lauren's doing well at the pony club with her pony uh, and runs quite well, Lauren also. Um, yeah, Todd's little one here is just growing up, just talking and... Um, She's a lovely little girl too. And you got you got a little grandson, Gareth. And yeah, Gareth, they got the youngest grandson now. Um, I did see a picture a couple of weeks ago. Your grandmother sent through. Oh, your mother sent through to me. Sorry, mate. And he's just a little ripper, and he's already connected with the horses at such a young age. Yeah, the energizer. We need to take the batteries out of him. I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's. he's um, He's quite a character, him. He's and he's only tiny as yet, but he's he's uh, up and about. Oh, well, that's great, then, mate. So we've touched on your life, mate. We might um, we'll want to we'll start touching on the horses, and um, I'll hand you over to Toby. Toby can hand talk about a few, then I'll talk about a few at the end of it if he misses any. All right. Barry, I don't know where to start, but probably the one that stood out to me is a mare called Ann Bird. Ann Bird was born in 1967. 11 foals, 11 winners, and so many horses seem to come from this mare, Ann Bird. Was she virtually a foundation mare? Uh, it's a bit of a story on how I actually got her. Dad, um, I, I, I had, a, had Mark Panton as, as a friend, um, and he wanted to buy a horse, and he said, we'd go to the yield sales. And I said, no, I'm not going to the yield sales. I'm going away and can't buy a horse. Anyhow, one passed through the yield sales that I just thought was stealing, uh, and she, that was Rayburn Lass. Um, 
And I said to Mark, I said, we've got to go on and get this horse. And so we went out the next day and bought her, but the bloke was peed off. He got very little money for for the horse. and um, So I... Uh, so I uh, went home and we broke this filly in and she broke in like a, like a gazelle. Hmm. Um, and when when I, uh, when that happened, I said to Dad I'd go and buy the mare. Yeah. You there? Yep, uh, we just lost you for Hello, a second. Hello, sorry about that. You're right, you, you're up to, I said to Dad, I'll go and buy the mare. I'll go and try and buy the mare. She was in Polder, Toronto, Hanover. And so when I rang the the, the gentleman, he said, uh, um, Terry Pex said he wants first offer on the on the, on the mare in Fowl. Hmm. And Dad said, well, that you, you'll never buy her. You'll never buy her if Terry Pex... Got first option on her, and uh, young and young and couldn't wait. So I, um, so I, I rang at four o'clock the next day, and he hadn't had a chance to talk to Terry. Dad's saying I shouldn't have rang, but anyway, he said he'd sell her. So I went down. I went up the next day and picked her up. Terry wasn't too pleased with me, uh, but I picked her up and took her to. Took it a Neptune stud to get back in foal again. But that the foal in it was swishing over. Yeah. Uh, who was? Oh, he won his last start was a free for all in at Mooney Valley, and could barely walk off the off the course. Uh, he was a good horse. Seventy nine starts, thirty five wins. Rayburn Lass on here says six starts, one win. So the one in the belly was better than the one you bought originally. No doubt about that. <laughs> well, he was he was the first horse I had down to talk about. And then the next couple that really come along, I think probably turned your career a little bit, were Corralda Bay and Corralda Jet. And Corralda Bay, 42 wins, $229,000. He won the Victorian size classic. And you beat, you beat a guy on that occasion by the name of Gordon Rothaker. And it must have been... A thrill to come to Melbourne with a horse and beat someone like Gordon Rothaker. Uh, no doubt about that. Um, yeah. He, um, um, you know, just to go to Victoria at any time and get a win was it was was um, something something else. Really, the uh, the standard of racing in Victoria, particularly at Mooney Valley, at that period in those that period was was outstanding. And if you could. If you could get a start up there and get a win, you've done a, a you've done a terrific job. Nineteen eighty nine Tasmanian Cup, hundred and twenty five thousand dollars in nineteen eighty nine. It was worth it. It's not even worth that these days. Like we, you can't explain it. Back then, it was a fair. It was as good a race as it gets, and you won it with Corolla Bay. Arguably one of your best ever wins, surely. Yeah, Corolla Bay was a was a lovely horse. He was. So strong, and uh, um, he, he used to hit his knees. Um, and he'd hit his knees when he was wasn't wasn't flat out. So we, so as we went forward, we just had him flat out most of the time. <laughs> uh, and 
he thrived on that. He was strong. Um, he ran 56 round the old showgrounds, um, and that's a long time ago. But he repeatedly ran 56. Um, he, he could do it parked and working around him, and he was a strong horse, a lovely horse. Corelda Jets won, I remember really well. My parents owned a horse called Barrel Boy, and we did battle with him many times. He was a great horse, 27 wins, $200,000. He came to the mainland for derbies and Victoria Cups. He ran six in the 93 Victoria Cup to master musician in, in what was just an amazing field. Yeah, Corelda Jet was a, a, an... Ex- I, I've made the statement, and I'm, I'm happy to stick to it, is the greatest gate speed horse you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, in in one stride, he could be flat out. Um, and I remember they they there was talk about level level advice being the best fastest horse out of the gate, and he went round the Dominion Series and let him up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we went to Hobart just afterwards, and, and Lee Plankham was actually driving him. He said um, he said I'll cross him. I said, geez, they reckon he's quick, Lee. Um, he said this fellow across him and, and he did. Um he was he was just airborne in two or three strides and um and, and I don't recall ever driving one with as much gauge speed as he had. Then um, it, it was yeah, probably okay. not quite as strong as the others, but but if you put them in front and they can get there, um they obviously win a lot of races. He was a, he was a nice horse. He won a real good championship. Astral Francois, I don't know if we ever saw the best of this horse. 32 starts, 19 wins, 186,000. He won his first start, first eight starts in Tassie. Came here in second in the Victorian Derby to Carnes Thunder. Second in the New South Wales Derby to Jeremy Lee. He won the RC Simpson Sprint. He won the Victorian Sires Final as a four-year-old. And he ran third in the very first Chariots of Fire to Ginger, Ginger Man, but only had one more start after that. This horse was... In my memory, just brilliance personified. He was. He should have. He should have won two of the the two der- one of the two derbies or, or both of them. Even yeah. um, um, he got checked in the New South Wales one. Circled the field. Um, I, I got an idea that, that he that he broke the track record, getting beat by a head. The horse had sat him behind the lo- Jeremy Lee had sat him behind the leader and just ploughs me up the straight. Hmm. Um, you know, I've looked back at those things and think maybe I could have drove him a bit different. Um, they weren't bad drives, but when you get beat, they're a bad drive, aren't they? Um, the Victorian Derby was a bit the same. Um, uh, you know, so I, I went really hard down the back to get across and cover him up and then got another one come around me. Um, I've looked back over those over the years and wondered in hindsight whether I couldn't have done a a better job driving him. This horse certainly did the job. He was as good a three-year-old as anywhere in the land. What did he break? He clearly broke down or something went amiss with no, him. No, he he uh, he was sick. Okay. Um, he was sick when he went round in the chariots of fire. His effort in the chariots of fire was way below his best. Hmm. Um, he was. I'm surprised that you say he had a start after that because I recall that he didn't, he wasn't long and he died after that. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I went through it this morning and I, I got down, he had one more start after Chariots of Fire. So, 
Yeah, well, yeah, that, that yeah. Was, it was a real shame because he really was a brilliant horse. Yeah, well, I'd agree with that statement. I, I thought he was the best three-year-old in the land. Um, yeah. The work he did in those two derbies to just get beaten, uh, the, the the winners didn't do the same work. Um, and, you know, the, he was a lovely horse. He was a, yeah, with a big future ahead of him, and we lost him, yeah. Yeah, a tragedy it was, Barry, to lose a horse with so much potential and a horse that I'm sure a lot more people would know the name of if he didn't get sick and pass as as happened. Now, let's leave it here, gents, and what we'll do is uh, we'll get the rest of this out tomorrow in our Taz Racing segment. So we've heard, uh, we've had about 50 minutes. We've probably got about 15 minutes left to go. So we'll play that out uh, tomorrow on the rest of the Taz Racing segment. We better get a breakaway, come back, and wrap this puppy up on the other side. Genghis Corralda, 36 wins, $290,000. And this is the 90s when we're saying 290000 He won the 93-94 Taz Easter Cup, the VHRC Classic, which was a Mooney Valley free-for-all of some note. Here in third in Australian Pacing Championship at Harold Park, the Desperate Common and Master Musician. And I note that uh, he had a period of time for a, under the tutelage of a trainer by the name of Vic Frost who... Uh, rejected you as an employee, but he was happy to take a horse like Genghis Corralda off you a few years later. Yeah, look, he was Vic <laughs> had Vic had family. It was the reason that um, I couldn't get a job there. And um, but Vic, well, we always reckoned Vic was as good a trainer as any of them, and his record would stack up anywhere. Um, he he took him. Um, there was there was stories around that. The fact that he broke West, Westburn Grant, Grant's uh, track record at home and all those sort of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, he was a lovely horse. And, and he was a lovely horse that was so big and um, uh, that that uh, he had injuries. He mm. quite often went when he wasn't 100%, and he always gave 110. Uh, you know, I loved him. He was a great horse, he, you know. When you're not 100% and you give 110%, says everything about him, I reckon. 100%. Queen Carey might be the best mare you ever trained. She won 18 races, 165,000. Uh, she was a two-year-old in 2002, won six out of eight in Tassie, including the band box. She came to Victoria, ran fourth in a three-year-old Vic Bread. She won the Granny Smith. She won a George Johnson. She won a Blossom Lady at Mooney Valley. She ran second in a Ladyship Mile at Harold Park. She But... She she was a great racehorse first and foremost. Yeah, lovely horse, um, beautiful type. Uh, you know that. Just um, we got a couple of foals out of her. They were all okay. <laughs> Two of them were good. Two of them were good, and one was okay. Um, and we lost her far too soon. It was just yeah. a huge tra- tragedy. But she was a great racehorse. I, I remember, and this might seem. Um, seemed a bit stupid. I remember sitting three deep on a the trip in the in the Granny Smith at Devonport, um, and I did it. I did it um, comfortably, uh, and I did it to keep another competitor out of the race. Um, and at the end of the day, even though I'd sat three deep, um, the plan had worked out and. And uh, she won quite easily, you know. She was she was a good horse. 
Those three foals you, you mentioned, Estevao, 12 wins, $67,000. There've been a lot worse horses than that across the journey in harness racing. Benediction, 19 wins, 160000 He won a Hobart Cup. And Devendra, 29 wins, $490,000. Contested two Inter-Dominions, won a couple of Inter-Dominion heats, were in second in the WA Cup. Yeah, she was... She was lost too soon, and Devendra was a pretty good horse. <laughs> he was a very, very good horse. Yeah, well, I talked about gate speed earlier, but yeah. he, he's one. He's one that might actually rival um, rival crowd of Jet, but um, he, he was a lovely horse. But once again, he had injuries all his all his life. He had a a, um, a front foot that that uh, had been compromised when he was young. Um, and uh, the balance and act between keeping him sound and, and getting him round wasn't wasn't all that easy. Um, you know, it was one of those horses that wasn't always 100%, but always gave 100%. Now, I'll go back to Ann Bird for a second, who you got all those years ago, and we heard you talk about her not long ago. She had 11 foals for 11 winners, and they included a mare called Barrington Lass, Barrington Lass had 17 winners, and they included a mare called Gorse Bush. Gorse Bush had 10 winners, and they included a horse called Bowtide. To own a horse like Bowtide is one thing, but for four generations of the family and to have a horse like Bowtide, pretty amazing, Barry. Uh, He was a lovely horse. He just... How how often probably... most people with good horses say that um, you know they're not 100 percent, or there's something that that wasn't quite right with him. Um, he was one of those horses. Uh, he, um, I think, in hindsight now, I wish I'd have never allowed him to, to go away from Menangle. He loved the Menangle track, even the Menangle track. He used to pull his way round the corner rather than run through it. Um, but uh, he was a wasn't he a great horse. He was a great horse. Forty nine wins. He was a dream. Two point one million dollars. He had twenty seven starts in Tasmania for eighteen wins as a two, three, and four year old. And so he didn't totally dominate down there as such, but he was a really good two, three, and four year old. His three year old year, he he had ten starts for nine wins. Um. I, I continue to get plagued in the Tasmanian Derby. I think it drew 12 or something like that again. Um, he, uh, he That was his best run for the year, and that was the one he got beat in. Yeah. Um, but well, once again, he he, um, he was balancing a fetlock um, over those periods. Uh, I know he came back as a four-year-old and ran a track record in Hobart first up. That sort of hurt him a bit. He probably shouldn't have, uh, probably shouldn't have run the track record first up, but he, he did, and um, it took him a, a, a little while to get over that. And then his fetlock was hurting him a bit. We, James and Fu were home, and we were looking after him. And um, Fu was James. James's girl, wonderful horse person, wonderful girl actually, um, and uh, we took him. They 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 decided we'd take him up from one of those MO series and one of those MO series. They got him bedded and 
the vet certainly helped him, uh, and he, you know, the rest is history. It, you know, the, the rest is a dream, actually, not history. He goes to Sydney, wins the Newcastle Mile, the third 2013 Miracle Mile, the 2014 Inter Dominion, 2014 Lensmith Mile, second in the 2014 Miracle Mile to Christian Me, and then the 2015 Inter Dominion. And you say the rest is history. We're how enjoyable was it? Were you flying up to all these races? Were you flying to Sydney and back every other week to see to see this horse bow tied? No, we didn't. We we flew up to the important ones. We were on the phone constantly. Um, um, the 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 probably the best effort is, is James's drive in the Miracle Mile. And when we hadn't, we'd never won one of those Group Ones. Um, <laughs> yeah. He his drive was perfect. Um, he had a plan early in the week, which we discussed somewhere around 200 times through the week. Um, <laughs> do your do your um, homework, make sure all those things are going to happen. And look, if you get to wrote it down before you start, the, the, the things happen exactly the way he planned it. Um, that was our maiden maiden grand circuit race, and uh, you know, I, I think. I think the pictures will tell all the stories we were beside ourselves. Yeah, well, great memories with Bowtide. I only plucked out half a dozen of the OK ones you had. And, uh, Jamie, I know you said there might be a few there that I've missed. Uh, I just enjoyed going back through all those memories of those horses. And for me, bringing back memories from the 80s and 90s. And just some of those fields and people, the Pieces, the Rothackers, the Demlers, the Vinnie Knights that um, Barry took on and, and was just one of those other names at the time. It was Rat Ray was in those names as well, Jamie. Oh, you're not wrong, Toby. And, you know, just, just, it's just good to reminiscing about such good horses because, yeah. you know, I can visually remember them all. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'll touch on Bo Tyler. He won his first race at Bernie Barry. But, you know, that's um, something that um, probably not a lot of people would realise unless they actually knew the fact. Uh, Richard Stanton start two-year-old in Australia. <laughs> That's right. Uh, <laughs> we went and we went and um, we had a ticket on him, um, and he won by a head. Uh, he sat in the breeze. Uh, the one one inside him wasn't any good, and he beat him ahead. So, uh, you know, racing. Yeah, but, um, but that's the thing, and you know, like I think it was in the was it in the um, two-year-old size or the three-year-old size? You actually drove into victory because Gareth chose a stable mate that is had a pretty decent opinion of. I think it was called Hangover Joe or something like that. Uh, that was uh, sweepstakes as a two-year-old. Um, we worked them at home through the week, and the, the other horse beat him home by about fifty metres. Um, so Gareth drove it, um, and I drove Bo, and I parked in the breeze, and I kept looking round, looking for him, but he never turned up. So Bo went on and done the job, as he quite often did. I'll touch on one more horse. Toby's covered most of mate, but this is a horse that's very special special to you, Jerry Neptune. Going way back in the early days, um, you set him up for a plunge, and he, he was a very... Outstanding juvenile, and um, he set you and Denise up with your your first block of land going back in the the mid eighties. 
Yeah, Jerry Neptune, he did. He bought our first block of ground. Um, we bought him out of the paddock as a yield, um, running around Neptune. Um, he was one we picked out. Uh, I don't know. I think we sold him with about seven out of eight or something, eight out of nine wins um, as a two-year-old to, to uh, uh, Brody. Um First name escapes me right Greg, at the moment. Greg Brody. Greg, Greg Brody. Um, and uh, he, we, well, there's a few stories about having a bet on him, but we we got the money first day, and on we had a few friends that were having a ticket on. So how much money I don't know, but I know we had a bit anyhow. Yeah, nah, I, I remember you telling me the story, mate. Yeah, so, you know, and um, the other fascinating thing, Toby touched on Queen Carey, and um, the Carey name is synonymous with a, a couple of horses because um, Wayne Carey, uh, you're wildly renowned as the greatest footballer you've seen, and um, you got a bit, um, I don't know, mixed feelings when he when he done the wrong thing because um, you had a couple of horses called Faithful Sally, Public Persecution, Queen Carey and King Carey. King Carey, yeah, yeah, I remember King Carey. Yeah, they were all named around Wayne Carey. I thought he was persecuted when he, um, not that I supported what he, what happened, but um, I think those things have happened before, and he's people haven't been persecuted for that. Uh, I mean, he obviously made some mistakes, but he was a great footballer, um, and it was. It was actually Adam and I named him Queen Carey and King Carey because uh, Adam's a North Melbourne supporter. Oh, oh, that's another thing that, you know, that's the only thing, Toby, that, you know, Barry's got against him, mate. He bloody goes for the Hawks. That's, you know, and he's a pretty one-eyed Hawthorne supporter. And I remember all those years, going back 10 years ago, mate, you know, like um, I was so jealous of Hawthorne supporters, that's for sure. It's just got to get on the right. I, I went and watched Hawthorne um, play when I was a kid and watched Peter Hudson kick 10 goals and I wasn't barricading for anyone else. <laughs> no, well, well, that's it, mate. But I'll, got, we'll, we'll just, I'll just mention, you know, at least, um, at least your father's got a, a bit of a brain when it comes to following the right football team. That's what I've got to admit. And um, we did taste a little bit of success a couple of years ago, which would have been great for the old fella. I think that's why you've waited this long. So just so you can say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, we've had it, mate. I've never seen him win one. At least Wayne would have seen him in their glory days, mate. But it was a, a long wait for me. But um, I've seen him win a flag. So, you know, my life's nearly complete now, mate. But, you know, I just need to get that grand circuit horse like um, you've had and be competitive and then I'll be very happy with my life. But just in closing, mate, you know, you've had a glittering career, the accolades, you know, you thoroughly deserve. You're a great family man. You're a great, passionate Tasmanian harness person, you know, administrator. You know, you pushed hard to get our breeders, breeders' bonuses up to what they are to today. And that just, all in all, from me, you know, I just want to say thank you for all the, the hard work you've put in, mate. You're an ornament. I bloody look up to you like, you know, anybody, mate. You're an absolute superstar and... um. I just wish you all success in the future. And while we touch on that, what does the future hold for Barry and Denise Rattray? Same stuff, different day. 
<laughs> I thought you'd say that, mate. <laughs> Good on you, Barry. Barry, and, and just from me, you know, I'm only 42, but I grew up going to Mooney Valley Trots in the in the 80s, the 90s, and and just loved watching you on the track. And sometimes you'll beat us, and uh, we loved having you over from Tassie, and we still love you as part of the sport. Great stuff, and thanks for coming on. Thank you very much. Thanks, mate.